This is the show where we discuss all things dog to help you live a better, balanced life with your canine friend. Hey everyone, happy weekend or happy Saturday. It's Saturday right now and I'm recording this in the middle of February when it is incredibly cold out. Temperatures have been drastic all over the country and I hear at this very moment that Texas is going through a hell of a time because of the cold, harsh weathers or the issue with their power grid. But anyway, let's get down to business and talking about dogs and the reason that you're here. I want to talk today briefly about how to manage your dog and what it actually means to manage your dog. Because this is a concept that I discuss quite a bit with my clients and I think I need to elaborate a little more on it uh, to get a little deeper clarification on what it really means to manage your dog. So in any situation, when you're dealing with a dog at home, you always want to focus on one of two things. You want to focus on training or you want to focus on management. Sometimes it's going to be one versus the other. Other times it's going to be a, a combination of both, right? You're going to train and you're going to manage. There are certain situations where you really need to work on training your dog. And you want to become good at getting the behaviors and maintaining the behaviors so that you solidify them and make them stronger over a period of time. That's training. So for example, if you're walking on a dog on a leash, you really want to train that dog to walk nicely on the leash. If, you're, if you want to have your dog off leash, you really want to train your dog to come reliably to you at a recall. If you uh, are working at a threshold control, for example, you really want to teach your dog some kind of some level of impulse control. Those are training issues. Those are training. Those are behaviors that you are working to elicit within your dog and then reinforce and strengthen. And then there's management. And that's that's the 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 control of the dog within an environment and a space and how you manage that dog. And, and most people are not very clear on how to manage their dogs. So in simplistic terms, you want to become just as good at managing your dog as you are expected to be at training your dog. You can tell when you're training your dog to a certain standard, to a certain expectation, and whether you're actually achieving that result or not. And I think there's a there's a vagueness with, with management is some people kind of hold their dog back at times and they falsely go under the assumption that they're really managing their dogs. So when you're managing your dog, you've got to, first of all, have a reason why you're managing a dog, right? It's In other words, that means that a dog may not be allowed to go into certain spaces and certain areas of a house, uh, certain rooms, certain floors, right? Uh, that means that a dog may not be allowed in certain spaces at certain times, maybe dinner time or maybe when people are coming to the house, when people are walking in through the door, right? So an example is that somebody comes in through the door and like many dogs, your dog gets overexcited, overstimulated and acts accordingly, whatever that means for your dog uh, on a in a, in a wide range of behaviors, spectrum from just excitability, like tail wagging, jumping, really, really high energized, to the super highly adrenalized dog that charges, really jumps forcefully on someone, to the other extreme where you have the 
uh, aggressive or borderline aggressive dog that charges and barks and growls. So that's a situation where you can incorporate some level of training, of course. But what happens is this. It's my experience that most people don't train to the level that they need to because that's far more work than they're willing to put into it. I didn't say that's far more work than they're capable of doing. That's far more work than the average dog owner is willing to put into it. And that's really the crux of the problem with many issues with dogs. Most people are just not wanting to put in the work that is required to get behavior that is really enduring and reliable and consistent, right? So, my issue is why are you going to go through the trouble of trying to control your dog in an open doorway when somebody comes in through the door, which is a trigger to the dog, and have to work at keeping your dog in a sitting position or in, a, uh, in place, for example? While it is very, very well possible, it may also mean and require you to work with that dog at a much higher level of obedience and competency than you are able to at the moment, right? Thus, the frustration with not getting the consistent results, the results that you envisioned, and then therefore not getting the consistency because you quit out of frustration or out of confusion, right? So why go through all that stuff? And I say this because that's the, that's the, I think the default with most people, and I've said this many times on, on many of these episodes, is that the default with uh, people to experiencing a problem with the dog is that they immediately resort to training. I've got to train my dog. I've got to train my dog. That dog needs to be trained. The dog is exhibiting a problem. The dog is is frustrating me. The dog is uh, borderline dangerous. The dog needs to be trained. And what I'm saying is, yes, the dog needs to be trained, but not always. Not every situation, not every circumstance is going to call for training. In the example of somebody coming to the house and your dog gets triggered and overstimulated, overadrenalized, that can be managed. That can be a management uh, situation for you, right? And that can mean that you work at keeping the dog away from that environment where you know the dog is going to react. The dog has have, already has a pattern of behaviors that you have experienced and witnessed quite a few times. So you know what the expectation is for that dog's behaviors, right? This is not going to take you out of the, uh, this is the, the dog's reaction is not going to get you out of the blue or rather come out of the blue. It's not going to take you by surprise. You, you know how that dog is going to behave when that doorbell rings, somebody knocks on the door or somebody walks in through the door. Okay. So start managing the behavior. So how do you manage it then? Well, you've got to have a system in place. For example, I, I, I live alone and I work, I live in a house and I, I bring many dogs into my house because I do board and train. And that means that I can have, you know, four or five dogs at any given time. There's always a management protocol in place. So the first thing is that you've got to have your systems in place. For me, that means crates, leashes, baby gates, right? And I use those tools to control environments, to control where I place the dogs, to control the movement of one dog from one place into another space, right? So those, those things, the utilization of a crate when I need to, when the utilization of a baby gate, the placement of a dog into another space, into a crate behind a baby gate, 
are commonplace with me. They're, they're part of my lifestyle practice, right? So I do these things as a matter of just course every time, every time, right? Uh, so I've got the systems in place. But this leads into my other point is that when you've got the systems in place, and by systems, I mean you've got the equipment, you've got the tools. When I've got all that in place, now I go into the protocol, so, for example, again, going back to somebody coming into the house, your dog getting triggered and overstimulated is when the dog comes in, when somebody comes in, excuse me, this is what I do in my house. My dogs, like most dogs, get really excited when somebody comes in. They're social animals. They, they love, my boy, Macho, loves people. He doesn't, he's not crazy about dogs, but he loves people. So if you were to come into my house and visit me, then if I were to allow him to just go with his impulses in that highly triggered moment of you coming into the door, he's going to charge at you. And he's not really going to jump because he's an older boy, but he's going to charge at you, right? He's going to get overstimulated. So maybe he's not the best example because he's an older boy, he's not going to jump. But if you can imagine just an older dog just charging and jumping and getting all overstimulated and stuff like that, right? I don't want that kind of behavior. I don't want to encourage it. I don't want to reinforce it. I don't want it to get worse over time, right? I don't want it to get habitualized within the dog's wheel of behaviors, a repertoire. Every single time somebody comes in, the dog learns, this is what I do. I charge, I get overexcited, I get overstimulated, overadrenalized, and I jump. This is how I greet, okay? So, and how does that behavior get... Uh, just automatic and, and in that way with a dog because I allow it to continue going on. And as you know, if you've listened to past episodes, a great way of creating bad behaviors in a dog is just to allow it to go on, to persist through practice, through rehearsals, the behavior gets stronger over time. So I don't want that with somebody coming into my house. So I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a protocol. And that means that when you come into my house, I'm going to take the dog and I'm going to put him behind a baby gate. I actually want him behind the baby gate because I want him to see the person coming in, right? And what's going to happen, my dog, you know, again, my dog's a bad example because my dog has, he's, first of all, he's older, but he's done this so many times that it's an automatic thing with him. And I put him behind the baby gate and what I'm going to do is I'm going to let him hang out, chill out until he simmers down, until that initial impulse and burst of excitement simmers down. And there's calmness. And when I get that calmness, I reward the calmness. So in other words, somebody comes into the door or there's a knock on the door. The doorbell rings. The dog gets overexcited, as most dogs do. He charges. He barks. I'm going to take that dog. I'm going to remove him behind the baby gate. And I'm going to let him calm and simmer down. And the only way that he's going to get to you, because you're the reward, you're the, you're the thing that he wants. He wants to engage with this person who comes in through the, to, uh, through the door to the house. The only way that I'm going to give him access to that person is if he first gives me calmness. And when he gives me that calmness, then I matter-of-factly open that baby gate and I allow him to go through. Now you have to take this in steps, in stages. At this stage, my dog, again, has been practicing this behavior so long that when I put him behind a baby gate, he'll calm down within 30 to 45 seconds. That's him whining in the back, by the way. He'll calm down within 30 to 45 seconds because it's, it's, so, it's so ingrained within him. 
in his mind, okay, I know what I'm going to do. I, I know what happens here. Uh, I'm not going to get out until I'm, I'm, I'm calmer. And when he's calmer and I see those signs, like he's sitting, he's no longer panting, there's no, you know, no craziness, maybe he's even lying on the floor, then I let him out. And when I say matter-of-factly, I don't make a big deal out of it. I just, just open that door and just let him through. Let him out, right? And at that point, he's going to come up to that stranger, to that person coming into the house, still a little excited, but those jumping behaviors are done. That over-highly impulsive behavior is done. All of that has kind of faded away, and he's going to sniff around, and he's going to sniff around possibly for just a few seconds, and then that's it. He's done. He's gotten his information. He's gotten his fix. He's done. But I didn't reward the unwanted, undesirable behaviors of that craziness, overstimulated moments. Now, again, you got to take this in stages. So if you're dealing with a younger dog who is prone to jumping and has perhaps practiced this behavior for a long period of time, or he's so young that it's just... It's just like a, a reflex with him. Then after letting him out of the gate, you've got to maybe put him on a leash and control him there, manage him there. But it's all management steps is my point. It's all management steps. And the thing about somebody coming into the door and me putting him behind a baby gate is that it's a protocol. It's a lifestyle protocol. I don't do it sometimes. I don't do it when I feel like it, when I have the time, when I've got the energy. I do it every single time somebody comes in through the door or somebody knocks and rings the bell and my dog gets overexcited. Every single time. And when you do it religiously, faithfully, your dog quickly learns this is it. This is the routine. This is the expectation. I only get out when I'm calm. And you'll be surprised how quickly your dog learns. But this is what management is, right? And it's a departure from training. So instead of beating your head against the wall, why is my dog not sitting when somebody comes in and gets overexcited? Why is my dog not staying in place when somebody comes in and he gets overexcited? It's because the distractions don't match the level of your training. You haven't trained up to that level, consistently at least. Maybe you have, but you haven't done it enough where it's become routine and standard to the dog. So why just beat yourself over the head with that? Again, work on managing, managing, manage your dog's environment, manage the circumstance, manage the situation, manage what you're going to do. Have the equipment in place, have the tools necessary, crates, leashes, baby gates, and then create a protocol. And there should be a protocol for every time you need to manage a, um, a dog. And with some dogs, it's just over excitement that you're looking to manage. With other dogs, it's potential dangers. They don't like kids. They don't like crowds. They don't do well in the, you know, uh, uh, loud settings. So you've got to figure out, okay, so I've got to create a protocol for this. I've got to create a protocol for somebody coming in through the, the front door. I've got to create a protocol for Thanksgiving or, or holiday dinners, right? When you're going to have a crowd in the house. I've got to create a protocol for summer nights when we're outside in the yard around the fire cooking. I've got to create a protocol for this and for that. And you've got to create a protocol. I've seen so many people just slamming their head against the table or the walls. Why is my dog doing this? My dog's jumping on the counter. My dog's begging for food. My dog's charging at people. My dog's growling at my guests. Have a management plan and live by it. Stop feeling so bad for the dog. Oh, I, my dog doesn't like to feel alone. My dog doesn't want to be alone. Who cares what your dog wants? Your dog is... Your dog wants safety. Your dog wants routine. Your dog wants consistency. And if you feel that your dog is to the point where he just can't be left alone, 
or your dog has a major meltdown when you isolate them somewhere else. And this is possibly something that you've created and you may want to start taking a look at yourself and your behaviors that may have enabled or created this. All right. So you get the point very quickly The review instead of training, which you got to think of both training and management, fixate on management. What can I manage? What can I manage? There are things that you can train and you can work on those, but this is about management. What can I manage to make my life easier to get more control and manageability over this dog during certain high stimulation triggering moments? Okay, think about that and uh, I'll be back in just a few days. All right, all the best. Stay warm. We're heading towards spring. We'll get there soon enough. Take care.